batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale, and I'm your host. And this episode, as always, is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill on the northwest side of Chicago, located at 6169 North Northwest Highway. Great food, and believe it or not, they even have just been brought to Grubhub, so you don't even have to leave your house to get great Coach's Bar and Grill food. But if you do, I promise you, you'll have a great time. Enough about coaches. Today, we welcome back a very special guest of the show, our White Sox slash American League expert, Bob Fiorante. Thanks for joining us, Bob. It's great to be here, Ant. Um, thanks for having me, and can't wait to talk some baseball. It's right around the corner. Yeah, baseball is right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers have already began to report to spring training. The game start in just a couple of weeks, and it looks like there will be a new face on the Cubs roster coming up. It looks like, despite the A's showing interest in him, the Cubs are working on a minor league deal with Illinois native Jason Kipnis um, to be you know, a platoon second baseman in my eyes. But you know a whole lot about Jason Kipnis, who was a former Cleveland Indian. So, Bob, tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, Jason Kipnis, as you said, he is an AL Central native, similar to uh, Nick Castellanos, but Kipnis has even been there longer. Um, he's been a thorn in the, uh, as a White Sox fan, he's been a thorn in my side for quite a while. Um, he's played, yeah, he, he really has. He's played really well against the White Sox, and I think that definitely, like you said, has something to do with being an Illinois and Chicago native. Um, he's a left-handed hitter second baseman, so he would probably fit in somewhere around the platoon um, when a right-hander's on the mound. Um, but yeah, he, most the most I've known him, he's been a one or a two hitter. Um, he's he's kind of scrappy. He gets on base, um, and he can he he he's got some pop in there when he wants to try to hit home runs. But mostly, he's a he's a single doubles kind of guy. He's coming off a season that he battled injury a little bit for the Cleveland Indians. Only played in 121 games. However, he did hit 17 homers, drive in 65 RBIs, and hit 245. He's a career 261 hitter, 32 years old, a two-time All-Star. You know, I, this is a type of a low-risk move that I really feel like could benefit the Cubs. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see it benefiting the Cubs. Um, that's one reason. And number two, I would like to see him out of the division. But as <laughs> for the Cubs, he's been one of the more consistent um, hitters in my division in the AL Central for quite a few years now he's pretty consistent like you said um career 265 usually hovers around there um 245 was kind of more of an outlier um and like you said even with an injury ridden season he still played 121 games which is solid um so i'd say definitely consistent and durable he's a good guy to have on your roster and he's got some experience to go along with that yeah like you mentioned that experience went to the postseason a couple of times with the cleveland indians as i'm sure every cubs fan can remember he hit that foul ball in the bottom of the ninth inning of Game 7 of the World Series that everybody thought was a walk-off homer. So the Cubs are certainly familiar with Kipnis as well. Not quite as familiar as the White Sox, but they have seen him play. Good defense, like you said, a solid lefty bat. Um, I think he might kind of play a little bit of a Zobrist role on this team if the Cubs do indeed sign him. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Um, Dobler's probably a little more versatile in the field, but definitely at second base um, and like a scrappy kind of guy. Definitely has a Zobrist-esque feel to him. 
Um, no matter how they use him, he will be a veteran presence, and he and he will be pretty productive for for the Cubs if they do indeed get him on the roster. I also think that that's a huge factor of it. The fact that he has that veteran presence, I think, pairing him in a platoon with uh, rookie Nico Horner, if the Cubs decide to bring him up on opening day, could give Nico a lot of uh, a lot of time to just learn from a veteran player before he kind of takes the keys to the middle infield for sure. Yeah, and that would be that would definitely be huge. He's obviously got a lot of uh, lot to tell him, a lot of experience to to especially on the defensive end. I would say he even if the offense has not been there, certain games that defense never leaves. Um, he's one of the better defensive second basemen for probably a good decade now, and I think that would for sure be the biggest proponent to having him on your team, learning on the defensive end. Yeah, without a doubt, it, the Cubs were in talks with Kipnis. They they also reportedly in talks with Scooter Jeanette. I personally preferred Kipnis, so it looks like the Cubs are closing in on that deal. So I, I personally am all for it, and it sounds like as a White Sox fan, you are as well. Absolutely, no doubt. And moving on into this podcast, uh, there was a leaked report yesterday that MLB is deciding or discussing potentially changing the postseason format and Bob, you did a lot of studying on it over the last 24 hours or so. Tell us, first of all, the proposed plan, and then we can get into a, a little bit of debate, good and bad. Okay, so this postseason plan actually is kind of crazy. Um, I did hear that it would not be implemented until at least no no before 2022, so not for the next couple of years. But basically what the plan says is in each league, instead of five teams, um, making the playoffs in each league, it would change to seven teams. Um, so, for example, and the number one seed would get a bye. The, so last year in the NL, that would have been the Dodgers. And then two, three, and four would play some version of five, six, and seven. So here's how it will work. Um, the number two seed would get to pick between the five, the six, and the seven. And then the number three seed would get to pick between the other two teams that are left. And then the number four seed would play whichever team is left. They would have no choice, just who's ever left. Um, So, for example, looking at last year, the Braves would have been the two seed. So they would have gotten to pick between the Brewers, the Mets, and the Diamondbacks. And as we know, the Mets and the Diamondbacks did not make the playoffs. But in this format, they would have. And then let's say they picked the Diamondbacks then the Cardinals, who were the three seed, would have gotten to pick between the Brewers and the Mets. So let's say they picked the Mets, and then the Nationals would have played the Brewers. All of this is a three-game series um, instead of just a wild-card one-game playoff. And interestingly, in that three-game series, the home team would host all three games. There would be no traveling in that wild-card series. And then the ALDS, or NL, the DS series would also be five games like normal, and then the CS in the World Series would be seven. So that's basically how that would work. So would would it be called, you know, NL Central champ, NL West champ, NL East champ, and then four wild cards? Or would it be the second in each of those divisions and then another one? How how would that work out? I definitely think they would call it four wild cards. Um, it would be similar to like a wild card weekend in the NFL. You know, you have a division winner playing on wild card weekend, but you also have multiple wild card teams. So I do think it would be a wild card type of atmosphere, like a wild card weekend type of thing. Four wild cards, three division winners, and the the best record gets that by. 
Yeah, I think this would be especially uh, good to implement in situations like the last year's American League where you know you had the Astros, you had the Yankees, and you had the Twins win their divisions, but you had the A's, the Rays, and the Indians all with over 90 wins, and one of those teams didn't make the playoffs. The Indians obviously last year didn't make it. So in that case, it would, it would allow for all the best teams to get in. On the flip side, I think it kind of gives too much leeway for potentially like a, a 79 and 83 team to squeak into the playoffs, which, you know, sure it would make the fans feel good about themselves, but I don't know. Is that really a playoff team? Yeah, no, I, I see it from both sides, but first of all, Cleveland Indians, 93 wins yes, last year. I Yeah, like you said, they absolutely deserve to be in. Um, that would have also put the Red Sox in with 84 wins. So last year you would have had 84 in the AL and 85 in the NL being the last teams, and that's not too bad. Um, obviously, I can see where you're coming from. It could get worse than that. Um, but the biggest, I think the biggest plus to this is you had too many teams last year um, that just give up after April even. After the end of April, you have a bunch of teams that are just out of it. And I think it would just have more incentive, give more incentive in the offseason before spring training to sign a couple pieces to try to stay in that little boat there. Because, I mean, look at the, like the Red Sox won 84 games and they were 12 games back of even having a shot. Um, I definitely think this kind of format... 84 wins should get you at least a shot, get you pretty close to being in that playoff picture, and I think that's what seven win, uh, seven teams does. Um, personally, I think it's a, it could get a little bit like the NBA. Like the NBA, you get a couple teams under 500 once in a while, like from the Eastern Conference last couple of years, and obviously you want to stay away from that, but it is what it is, and I definitely think getting more teams competitive in September is a positive for the MLB. Yeah, especially with, with attendance declining and, and just people watching the games declining, keeping more teams in the playoff race for longer keeps more games competitive, keeps more teams competitive, keeps more stadiums full. I also think it leads to uh, less sellers at the deadline, so then when you have less sellers, less fans abandon their team, because I know in a lot of situations when your team trades all of your favorite players away, it's got to be difficult to root for that team. I know it was for the Cubs in you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, when every year we were saying goodbye to Dempster and goodbye to Soriano and goodbye to Aramis Ramirez and, and players of that nature. So I don't know. It certainly makes for a more interesting August and September for a lot of teams that didn't get in. But I also think it could kind of nip a, a really good team in the bud when they have to choose their opponent and then that opponent is extra fiery because they're like oh they don't think they think they're going to beat us they don't want to play us and then a really good team like the Dodgers of last year might not you know advance however I think that's a good reason to include a buy yeah absolutely I'm definitely with you on that buy and one other interesting thing I forgot to mention was the the selection process, so let's say the Braves and the Twins or Houston or whatever, choosing their opponent, that will be televised on MLB Network or whatever. On the last day of the season, they proposed that they would televise like the Astros GM and manager next to each other picking their opponent on live TV, so all the fans would be watching. And whether or not that's right or not, that would make for a good spectacle, no doubt. What do you think about that part? Yeah, I think I think if you're going to do it, you have to televise it. And for the MLB, that's their way of making the most money possible and marketing 
But I think, you know, all of these crazy rule ideas just stem from the fact that MLB over the last decade or so has done a pretty poor job of marketing their sport where sports like the NBA and the NFL have excelled. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think there's more um, parity in the NFL. There's more... There, I don't know how to say it, but I just feel like you know going in, you're gonna the Baltimore Orioles are gonna have to play 162 games, knowing pretty well they're not gonna have a shot at the playoffs. And I, I don't think that's a good uh, that's a good thing. You got the NFL, you only got 16 games. I know it's a long season, also weeks wise, but there's only 16 games. 162 games, knowing you're not gonna get in the playoffs, um, that's tough to sell. So I do think that's why they're doing something like this. Not so much as that the Orioles would try to compete this year. But it would just make, for viewers, for, for things like that, definitely it's always a money thing, and viewers are in the minds of whoever came up with this proposal, no doubt. Yeah, I think a lot of it also comes to the way the MLB markets their players. You know, if you think of um, the MLB face of the MLB, you probably think Mike Trout. You look at the NFL, you know, Pat Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or, or even Tom Brady still, I just think the NFL or the NBA with LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard, they market their stars much better and, and get fans from other cities on board and and just fans of basketball to root for certain players and certain teams. The MLB, you know, I know it, it is traditionally an older uh, sport and, it, and this day and age is attention time doesn't really stick to it, but I think the MLB could do a lot better at marketing some of their stars and, and you know, putting Mike Trout on commercials and billboards and, and Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich just to reignite that passion for baseball that, of course, you and I have, but a lot of the younger generation does not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you turn on the TV, like you said, you're much more likely to see a Russell Wilson and, or, or LeBron, and you're absolutely right. You know, Mike Trout's in a couple, but he's very, very rarely um, in media and stuff like that. And also... To that point, I feel like the NFL, with like the XFL and stuff like that, they're trying to make the game even more exciting, like with the new kickoff rules, all that. Um, the MLB is going to have to try to do something like that. Like me and you don't mind um, a three-hour game, three-and-a-half-hour game. We don't find it boring, but other people do, and you're definitely going to have to market to those kind of people somehow. And I do think when you, even when you do something like this, even if it's stupid, not stupid, whatever it is, it's going to get people watching. It's going to get people excited because it's a change. It's something new. And I, I think MLB is right in that way that something is going to have to change. Yeah, I do too. And I think that's a good example. I also, you know, if you look at the NFL, you've got three to four primetime games a week. You've got Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football. And then sometimes there's another Monday or a Saturday or just a three o'clock game at Sunday that everybody's glued to. In baseball, it's much harder to watch other teams than your local team. And then the way MLB has their their prime times, it's the Yankees, it's the Red Sox, it's the Cubs, it's the Dodgers, and it's only those teams. You see the Yankees and yeah. the Red Sox play six or seven times on ESPN, and a 92-win A's team gets showed zero times. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I feel I feel like like that happens a lot with a team like the Rays or like the A's. Um, both of those, or even even the Braves, don't get enough um, attention. It is. You're right. I looked this year at the Sunday night baseball schedule as a Sox fan because you know we improved from last year. We're not great, um, but we improved from last year. I want to see if we're on there. And the three names 
I saw on there almost every weekend was, like you said, Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs, because especially um, they play each other this year. The Cubs do play the Red Sox and the Yankees, so both those games will be nationally broadcasted. And, yeah, it, it is the same teams every single... Like, even the NFL gets the Jaguars and Titans on there on a Thursday night, yeah. you know, um, where I feel like the MLB just... You see four or five teams, that's it, like you said. Yeah, and that's why, like, you know, a Javi Baez and the Aaron Judge and the Mookie Betts are kind of so well-marketed because they're on TV much more. But, you know, Matt Chapman's a heck of a player or Nolan Arenado's a heck of a player or all these teams have great players that could be marketed and showcased much better where the MLB doesn't need to change rules and, and implement new systems just in order to get more viewership. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. What would you say about a shortening of the schedule? A lot of people complain that it's way too long. I don't mind it. It is long, but what would you say about shortening to maybe like a 135, 140, maybe 150? Yeah, I personally think, especially if you're going to start adding all these new series in the playoffs, that's an extra three games on the front end of the playoffs that you need to, to implement. And, you know, baseball's a summer sport. You don't need to be playing it in the snow. You know, like very late March, early April and November, especially as you get deep into November in the postseason, that's not baseball weather. So maybe hang on to spring training, push that back a little bit longer, start the season maybe mid-April, cut it off towards, you know, end of September or a little bit sooner in September and then let the playoffs run through October. I think that's the best way to do it, especially if you're going to add these new systems to the playoffs. You can't have a 162-game season that ends at the very end of September and then go through almost to the beginning or middle of November just to finish the baseball season. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You don't. Like, I remember last a couple of years ago, Rockies and Brewers, it snowed at Coors Field the day before the playoff game, you know, things like that. that that's true. Um, if that's not how the whole season's played, why is that how it's played in the playoffs? Um, I'm with you there. 100%. Um, I, I would definitely be down, not to cut it too much, maybe like a 140 would probably be, I think, good. I just think, like, look at that, it's almost a whole month you just cut off, and it doesn't even seem like you cut that much off, so I think something like that would definitely gain the attention of people, and it would make each game mean more, because there's less of them. Yeah, and then you look at, you know, you hardly see guys play 162 games, most of your stars end up somewhere in the 140 to 150 range, so why not just you know cut it off there? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And how do you feel about the uh, all three games would be for one home team? You know, I think um, me and you went back and forth uh, messaging about this a little bit earlier. I think every team should get the right to host a home game in the playoffs, especially if you're playing a series. However, I don't think you should be going you know, home and then you travel somewhere and then you go back home. And I think that's stupid if you're only doing it in three days. I also think it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have the lower seed host the first game and then let the higher seed get the next two. I don't think it makes sense to give the higher seed the first two because the series could just end after those two and then the lower seed doesn't even get a chance to host. So I think the way they have it is probably the, the way with the least amount of problems. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, I would definitely not. My, I, I don't think there's any way to do it 
like with a three game series, there's no really other way to do it. Um, you just can't. You, you can't get the road team a home game because even even if you said, let's say the first two were at the better seats place, and you said one problem could be that it could not even. It, what if it doesn't even get there? But I would say, what if you don't want game three, the deciding game in the series, to be on the road anyway? So there's two problems there. Right. Um, there's a bunch of problems no matter how you look at it. I also saw. I, I saw MLB on MLB Network. Um, they were talking about MLB really wants to reward the top three seed, so the two seed, the three seed, and the four seed. And one way to do that, if they wanted to like change up this format just a little bit, torque it up, um, tweak it. Um, one way to do that would be the better seed only has to win two games but the worst seed has to win all three, which I think is ridiculous. Because then you're fighting for that playoff spot just to have to sweep somebody. That would be too much for me. So, see, that wouldn't make much sense because let's say the lower-seeded team wins the first two games and then the higher-seeded team wins the third. Like, who who wins then? Then the the higher seed would win the series there, which I think would be ridiculous. And you're you're trying – yeah, right, because you're trying to get teams to fight for that sixth and seventh seed – and they're not going to do it just to have to go sweep somebody, you know? Especially when all you need if you're the higher seed is one pitcher to have a good game and three chances to, to move on to the next round. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as it stands right now, I enjoy um, the two wildcard games. Be- I don't know if it's – obviously it's because it's a winner-take-all, loser-go-home. Um, but one point to that is, like, your whole – you play 162 just to put it all on the line for one game. It's awesome. Obviously, if you win, but it's devastating. If you lose, you run into a pitcher like um, Madison Bumgarner or Jake Arrieta a couple of years ago against the Pirates. You run into a guy like that, and it's like your whole season's gone in one game because you ran into the top pitcher. So that's what a three-game series would eliminate also. Let me ask you another question. Um, based on that 2015, like you mentioned, when Arietta dominated the Pirates in that wild-card game, I'm not sure if you realize this, but and that on that season, the Cardinals had 100 wins, the Pirates had 97, and the Cubs had 95, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe the Pirates had 99 and the Cubs had 97. However you look at it, those were the top three seeds in the National League record-wise. Would this system then reward the top three records in the National League, or would the division still matter? This system would... Um, reward the divisions. Unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, it would reward the division. So let's say in that case, if the NL West winner had 93 wins and the NL East winner had 90 wins, the NL West winner would be the two seed. East would be the three. Pirates four, Cubs five. That's how that would work. Whether then, you agree or not, that's how they would uh, do it. And then six and seven would just be whoever six and seven would. So the, the seeding is essentially the same. You're just adding two more teams to the bottom of it. Yes, exactly. All right, so now we discussed all the rules and, and stipulations with it. If this was proposed, and you're Commissioner Rob Manfred, is this something you pull the trigger on or no? It is something I pull the trigger on completely. The seven, I love the idea of seven teams. The one little thing I'm not completely sold on, but I, I like for certain reasons, would be the choosing teams. Um I don't know if you need that because essentially you could just match up the two and the seven, the three and the six, the four and the five. You don't really need the pick. Um, that would be the one thing. Obviously, it would be a spectacle, and the MLB would love to put a look 
a fire at that 17 team. Be like, oh, they want to play us, like you said. I don't know if you need that, though. But that would be my one thing. But I love the rule. Yeah, I, I kind of think, you know, implementing that rule may not be a horrible idea. I think it could definitely use some tweaking like we talked about in this episode. But I think if I had to say yay or nay, I'd probably go yay. Yeah, absolutely. Keep more teams competitive. All right, and that'll do it for this week's edition of the Cubs Corner. Thanks so much to Bob for joining us. We'd love to have you on the show again. Uh, Thank you for having me. hope I uh, gave some insight. And for now, thank you to Bob for joining us on the show. Thank you all for listening. You can find this episode, future episodes, and past episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and, of course, the Cubs HQ website. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.